Shea gave everything he had and more. Well, what a night for Chris. He's a gamer, man. Welcome into another edition of the Raptors Pod Table Podcast. Gil McGregor here with Kyle Irving, and this is a next day wrap off of the Raptors 122-113 loss to the Chicago Bulls. The Raptors fall to 20 and 32 on the season. The Bulls move to 22 and 38, creating more ground, aka a three-game cushion in the standings. The Bulls are owners of that 10th spot, which is the final playing spot for the playoffs this year i have the takeaways over on nba.com if you haven't checked those out yet go ahead and give those a look just to get an idea of how everything went down but as far as the statistical leaders from last night chris boucher career night 38 points 19 boards we'll have more on that in a little bit pascal siakam also uh did big things really that spin move was looking better than ever last night 27 points eight boards og ananobi 13 points he they were the only three raptors in double figures the raptors were extremely short-handed seven guys inactive deandre bimbry suspended kyle lowry and fred van vliet remained out with injury paul watson still in the health and safety protocols patrick mccall also injured and uh we'll have more on him later as well Jalen Harris dealing with injury as well and this team is just extremely shorthanded and and, and this it's like the timing couldn't be worse right this is the opportunity to, to gain ground in the standings and you really don't have much to show for it because you just don't have anybody and you can't really be that mad at this team for you know fighting they trailed by a lot at one point but they, they clawed back in had a chance to cut it to five late in the game but I mean you only have eight guys you can't get over the hump that way right yeah, it's just it's impossible almost when you're playing with eight guys, especially guys that are, you know, trying to fill bigger roles than they're ever yeah. used to. You know, these guys are like Malachi Flynn first start of his career and he's doing everything he can. He played extremely hard last night and I thought he played well, even though, you know, his field goal percentages uh, it, it lacking a bit. But that's, you know, far from his biggest problem right now. He just needs to get comfortable on the floor. This is a guy who went from playing sporadic minutes in the beginning of the season to go into the G League bubble to get gain a little bit of experience. And now he's being thrown right into the fire with the injuries, suspensions, health and safety protocols and all of those things. So, you know, I mean, you got to give these guys some credit for stepping up and doing their best to try and fill these roles, but they really are, you know, in over their heads and trying to play at some of these guys as many minutes as they are. And obviously, you know, career night from Chris Boucher, he was incredible and they needed that from him going up against all-star center Nikola Vucevic. But at the same time, like you said, you know, depth is a, a big issue for this team at the moment. And the Bulls are after that deal, after a couple trade deadline deals, they're looking like, you know, a pretty deep team in the Eastern Conference, believe it or not. Like they're they're starting to heat up a little bit. They've won three in a row here, which is coming at poor timing for the Raptors. Like you said, trailing three games for that 10th spot in the playing game. But when you have guys like Laurie Markin and guys like you know, Kobe White settling into roles off the bench. That's incredible. I mean, they, they're starting Thomas Sedaransky and they're starting Thaddeus Young these days because those guys have been playing well and they've done their their part to keep the offense and defense clicking in that first unit. So, you know, Billy Donovan talked about it pregame a little bit yesterday, but when you're getting, I don't want to call them stars, but like these guys were lottery picks, Laurie Markkinen yeah. and Kobe White. Yeah. So when you're getting those guys to buy into the system and come off the bench and make an impact, they were both awesome last night. You know, the Raptors just don't have the depth to keep up with that. And again, commend them for their like commend them for their effort. It was not from a lack of effort last night. It wasn't from a lack of heart. They just are a little bit short on talent right now. 
Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because I think it's become kind of a theme. It's the second time these two teams have met this year. They'll meet one more time. And with the Bulls winning both of the first two, they now have the tiebreaker as well. And I wrote that in the takeaways. If the Raptors want to finish ahead of the Bulls, they'll have to finish with a better win percentage because we don't know if every team is going to get to 72 games right now, but they will have to have a better win percentage than the Bulls because the Bulls don't have the tiebreaker. The first time they met, I think it was the first time in 50 years they had nine players finish in double figures. And in this one, they had seven guys finish in double figures. You mentioned uh, Markinen and Kobe White off the bench marketing 18 points on eight for 10 shooting Kobe White 15 points and then Daniel Tice a big pickup I think underrated pickup for this team at the deadline 14 points 10 boards three assists and then obviously you have the all-star duo Zach Levine 22 points 13 assists that's one shy of a career high that he set in his rookie season and then Nikola Vucevic 22.7 boards four assists so I think this team is starting to mesh well I mean you got to give a shout out as well Thaddeus Jones been playing amazing this year 11 points nine rebounds six assists I think one of those underrated guys um, who you don't really think about the fact that he fills up the stat sheet but he's a glue guy or a guy I don't even call him a glue guy because I think that minimizes his impact I think he's a guy who does a little bit of everything and he, he's kind of like you know that jack of all trades that really does come in handy when this team wants to make a postseason push and they're, they're clicking at the right time and also also got to shout out Patrick Williams it's kind of funny to see him and OG Anobi going head to head it's kind of like a, a similar molds of players and, and Patrick Williams being 19 years old the physicality that he shows and, and, and the things that he brings to the table it's pretty impressive for for 19-year-old rookie, and I think we start to understand and see that the Bulls might have reached to get him at four, but I think, we, you know, there's there's, no, there's a lot of risk in trading down, thinking your guy's still going to be there, and then he's not there, and then you miss out on your guy. We saw it with the Suns in recent years with Cam Johnson. Like, you know what, if we trade down, the guy's not there you know, we lose out. So I think the Bulls made the right decision to getting him and he fits in this vision for what they're trying to do moving forward. And they're going to be an exciting team. I, I do feel as though uh, from looking at them and seeing the way this team is, is is constructed, the Bulls, I think, will have that playoff spot locked in. And I don't say that to say the Raptors don't have a chance anymore, but I think the Raptors are going to have to look at a team like the Pacers may be falling or a team like the Knicks falling out. Um, and I don't know the chances of that if there's too big of a gap there. But based on what I'm seeing from this Bulls team and based on what I saw last night, it feels like they are solidified. We can double back here because I you know, obviously want to focus on the Bulls that much. Again, Pascal Siakam was was huge, 27 points. He, was, he hit boots with the spin move a lot of times. And people joke around about the spin move. But, you know, if it works, keep doing it until they stop it. And they weren't stopping it last night. So Pascal Siakam, big scoring night for him. But again, Chris Boucher from the onset of the game, from the get go, his his intensity, you could tell that he, he was really motivated in that one. And, and to finish the game with 38 points and 19 boards, he really did leave it all on the floor. You know, and, and, you know, just just seeing where he's come from, you know, being a, a, a fringe two way guy with the Warriors, to, you know, going to Toronto and being a two way guy with just a good story and, and being the G League defensive player of the year and MVP to becoming a solid rotational guy that always wasn't in a rotation to now almost recording the first 30 20 game in franchise history in the seventh career start it's pretty crazy and i know you wrote a little bit about the the quote uh, that he had post game is something i think drake would say was a bar um so so what do you think about uh, the growth of chris boucher and, and what that means for this team in the short term as they try to claw and fight but also in the long term because he did ink a two-year deal last the, this past offseason that was a bar and uh <laughs> you know when i saw when i was watching chris boucher go off against the Bulls last night and thinking about that performance a little bit, it felt personal to me in, in the sense that, you know, he has worked his way. He's, he's worked his ass off, honestly, to yeah. get to the point where he even had like a solidified role on this roster. But for some reason, and I, I shouldn't say for some reason, the reason is that, you know, he, he's real thin. 
in his frame. And Nick Nurse, I just don't think trusts him as a starting center against some of the bigger front courts in the NBA. And even though, you know, the Raptors are lacking in the front court, I think sometimes, you know, going to Aaron Baines like he did in the beginning of the season or playing small ball and using OG as a, a small ball five made more sense to Nick Nurse than it did to slide Chris Boucher into the starting lineup. So then, you know, these last four games, he finally gets the opportunity to get consistent starter minutes. He started three games in a row against the Warriors, the Wizards, and the Lakers. And he didn't really get tested against a dominant big man in any of those games. I mean, Marcus all had his best game of the season against his former team in the Raptors, but without Andre Drummond there, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and call Marcus all at this stage in his career, a dominant big man. Like I, I think Chris Boucher can match up with him fine, even though Gasol had a great game, but you know, last night he gets the opportunity to go up against an all-star center in Nikola Vucevic happens to be on the same day that they're reportedly bringing in Ken Birch, who he's also competing for minutes with on potentially the Canadian national team. Yeah. And the day before that, they're adding more front court depth with Freddie Gillespie uh, signing a 10 day contract with the Raptors. So it, it felt like Chris Boucher was almost feeling slighted. Like, Hey, you're bringing, obviously he understands it's for the betterment of the team. They need front court help. It's, it, you know, that's no secret, but it's almost like it was a little bit personal that he was like, Hey, you know, you're bringing in all these guys that could potentially be taking my minutes. I want to make sure that you know that I'm still the best big man on this roster. And that's kind of the statement game that he went out and had. And that's how I was feeling about it. You know, watching him play and looking at the box score and everything like that. But then once I saw that quote after the game of, you know, him saying that he's been getting bullied and he's had enough of it. That's when I was like, okay, that really was personal for Chris Boucher. Like he really felt a little bit of pressure of like, Hey, Ken Birch is a pretty big body. He's someone that could come in and I could see Nick nurse. He has some familiarity with him again, coaching the Canadian national team where I think he could trust him enough that after a, however many days with the team, a couple games under his belt, he could all of a sudden become their starting center. And I think Chris Boucher wants to solidify the fact that you know no matter what they're bringing in another long and wiry and energetic guy in freddie gillespie who could potentially take some minutes as well he just wants to make sure that nick nurse knows you know i'm still the best center on this team and he did that with a ridiculous absolutely ridiculous performance last night yeah yeah i mean 38 19 is crazy career highs on both fronts of points and rebounds and just a reward of the activity that he has he's always an active guy on both ends of the floor whether it's blocking shots put back dunks um you know he's not shy he has he doesn't lack for confidence as far as getting his shots up as well and everything was clicking for him and i think like you said it's a reminder that he is the most talented big man on this roster i don't necessarily think that's something we saw coming this soon um you know a guy who's on the older side just regardless of how young he is in nba experience years he is on the other side so I think that's a testament to him his effort and also the development staff continuing to see what they what they can get out of him and he continues to grow as a player and it's interesting to see moving forward because I know you know we mentioned his frame and, and you know how that is, allows him to I guess get bullied or, or, or whatever and he doesn't necessarily have the the tools to match the physicality of other players and and because of that I know there's been quotes where Nick Nurse says you know we really look at Chris as a four um and, and it's not really small ball if you if you slide everybody down and, and play him at the five as we've seen lately and you know whether it's moving forward and it's a backcourt of Trent and 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 Van Vliet if whatever the future holds for Kyle Lowry um or if it's you know similar to the lineup that we have seen and just having him at the five performances like these I think can at least give the staff and, and the front office a little more confidence in saying okay maybe this can be our guy who starts at the five and doesn't necessarily mean he starts at the five and plays 38 minutes or 35 minutes but if he starts at the five and plays 28 minutes you can still do it by committee and base it on on matchup and and i think the, the tools that he has or the skills that he has and and the the mindset that he has to not want to be bullied you know obviously again there's certain things he's just he's never going to be you know 
he's never going to weigh 230 pounds. It's just, that's just, that is what it is. Because if he did, that would change the way he played. But I think, you know, he can use some things to his advantage and, and bring guys out to the perimeter who aren't necessarily fleet of foot. And he can, you know, get rim protectors out of the paint because of his shooting ability and, and um, make things difficult for other teams because of his activity as, as a shot blocker and a rebounder. So I think that's exciting to, to see uh, with him. And, and hopefully he can build on that as the team moves forward because, this for a story alone, you know, seeing seeing that and and it's he's come a long way, and I still think it's pretty cool because he does uh, ha- have more that he can do. You mentioned Kim Birch, um, and the report in, is indicated as it came out yesterday that Birch has officially been waived by the Orlando Magic, and the report is that once he clears waivers, which will be forty eight hours from about two p.m. on Thursday. So again, you're listening to this on Friday or Saturday. Saturday at around two p.m., he plans to join the Toronto Raptors. Birch, obviously, like Boucher, a native of Montreal, so have two Montrealers in the front court. Um, Carlin Gay over on NBA.com wrote about what Kim Birch could bring to this team. So when you saw that Kim Birch could potentially be joining uh, Canada's team as, as a Canadian himself, did you think that that's like, you know, much needed? Obviously, they, you mentioned they've added Freddie Gillespie. And it's just crazy to think that, you know, this has been an ongoing issue. And it's like, man, somebody like Kim Birch would be perfect. And then he becomes available. And it's almost like it was nothing, no other option for him but to join the Raptors. And, and as this team is slipping and really falling at the risk of falling out of playoff contention completely, this might be a last-ditch effort or or exactly what's needed to, to make that push late late season? Yeah, I think Ken Birch is a great signing. Like when I saw that and we were all pretty much unanimously saying the same thing in our Slack group, it, it makes too much sense for that to happen. I mean, Orlando wasn't using him the way that he probably would have liked to be used. And that's why they reached a buyout with him. And that's why he's going to hit waivers. And, you know, I expect him to clear waivers and end up on the Raptors roster. And I think it's just a good shout for the Raptors. Like you're giving another homegrown guy an opportunity to play for, you know, even if you're playing in Tampa and he's just (laughs) riding, riding down the highway from Orlando to Tampa to get to his team, it's still Canada's team. And I think that he adds a, a, physical front court presence that we were just saying that you don't really get in Boucher, but he's a little bit more athletic than Baines. I shouldn't even say a little bit more athletic at this point in his career. He is much more athletic than Baines. And I I really do like the the physical interior presence that Ken Birch can add to this team. Plus I already touched on a little bit, but like the the fact that Nick Nurse already has familiarity with this guy from coaching him on the Canadian national team. I think that adds another layer of continuity that's going to make his transition onto this roster you know, much easier than potentially any other big man that they could have brought in. And at the same time, like, I I really do like that as an underlying storyline of like him and Boucher pushing each other for minutes on this Raptors roster. Like, I think that type of competition, I I know teams aren't practicing as much as they usually are where you really get to, you know, not us see those battles, but Nick Nurse and the rest of the coaching staff will get to see those battles between those two. But it really does add like another layer of, these guys are competing against each other, not just for minutes on this Raptors roster, but like when Canada goes to put together their roster for the national team, for the Olympics and the world cups and stuff like that, like these guys are always going to be battling against each other. So I do like that layer of the signing as well. I think that Ken Birch is someone that can come in and make an immediate impact for the Raptors. He is someone that he's had good games when he got the playing time with the magic. Like I remember in his first couple games after Vucevic, was traded. Ken Birch stepped up pretty well and he was giving them good minutes before they decided to go a little bit smaller and use some of their even younger guys uh, that they're trying to, to develop. But all in all, I think it makes too much sense. Again, like they're one of the thinnest front courts in the NBA. They're trying to make a last minute push to the playoffs, trying to snag one of those playing tournament spots and adding somebody that it's not going to take too, too much to get them involved in the system. And he's got a little bit of familiarity with nurse and with some guys on the team. I really do like the signing. I think it's going to work out well for the Raptors. 
Ben Birch listed as 6'9", 235. 48 games this year with the Magic, five starts, averaging a little over five points, a little over five rebounds, and just under 20 minutes per game. So welcome additions, I think, for a team that's been getting outplayed on the boards, could use a lot of athleticism on the inside. They've attempted to answer it with the guys they have, so it'll be interesting to see what Birch and what Gillespie can bring to the table. Another roster move this team made after the game, uh, decided to release Patrick McCall, who is crazy. I didn't even realize it, but since March of 2020, he's only seen the floor five times. He's just had, you know, persisting knee injuries. And it's really unfortunate because, you know, Nick Nurse seemed to really take a liking to Patrick McCall. And he's one of those guys where he does a little bit of everything, obviously not to the extent of a guy like Thaddeus Young, but there were specific performances. I remember specifically last year, uh, right after Christmas, when the team lost to Boston on Christmas Day, they went to Boston. I believe Patrick McCall got the start, had one of his best performances as a Raptor and just really made his, you know, put his put his fingerprints all over the game and that's what I think this franchise saw in him but unfortunately just couldn't shake the persisting knee injuries whether it was you know having multiple surgeries and procedures to to fix things and, and then there was just soreness that kind of persisted throughout that so the team decided to waive him after the game I obviously wish him the best moving forward three-time champion I know people say it in jest sometimes but it's pretty cool a guy his first three three years of his career uh wins a championship each and every one of them but that move wasn't made for Birch or for Gillespie it was reported that that move was made to give this team an extra roster spot so um, they could be perusing the, the G League market or there could be a guy who, uh, you know, has been a buyout. I, I believe a team uh, recently just signed a, a EuroLeague guy. Uh, so that's kind of happening as well. And guys that are getting released, I believe today is April 9th. Uh, the deadline is 11.59 p.m. tonight for guys who are released at some point today will still be eligible to play for in the playoffs for whoever they sign with. So, again, Patrick McCall released there will be a corresponding roster move to come, I would assume, as this team continues to fight. Mention the fight. Mention the playoff standings. I know we go through this a lot. Said it before, Bulls holding the 10th spot, three-game lead over the Raptors. The Raptors are four games behind the Pacers, who are ninth. Five games behind the New York Knicks and six games behind the Boston Celtics. Again, the Raptors are 20 and 32, so they got 20 games left. With 20 games left in the season, six games is probably a lot to make up. But again, at this point in time, this team really has to string together wins, whether it's you know a five-game win streak or winning eight out of ten or something like that. It has to happen now. It's pretty much now or never. Uh, you look at the schedule and what's coming up. The Raptors actually face two teams that are right around them in the standings. It's pretty crazy to look. The Cavaliers at 19 and 32 are just a half game behind the Raptors, and then they take on the Knicks on Sunday. So they, they're in they're in Cleveland on Saturday. Uh, their first meeting with the Cavs did not go too well, uh, pretty much run out of the gym, and that's the game that Pascal Siakam got benched. So that's Saturday, April 10th at 8 p.m. on TSN, the second end of a back-to-back, -back, which, again, we say this all the time, aren't very kind to the Raptors. They're in New York, take on R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, and company, and that's Sunday, April 11th at 7.30 p.m. on Sportsnet. So, what are you expecting as this team hopefully welcomes Kim Birch and hopefully welcomes Freddie Gillespie into the lineup as they go into this back-to-back -back against the Knicks and the Cavs, which in years past you look at it as like, oh, Knicks-Cavs, that's easy. But I feel like this year, especially given the state of the Raptors more than anything, can't pencil in anything as a win. You just got to see how they show up when they get there. I think what we've learned about the Cavs this year is that if you sleep on them and take them as a light opponent, they're going to kick your butt. Like they're just, <laughs> yeah. it's going to be, they've, they've done it to the Nets twice. They did it to the Celtics. Like we said, they handed it to the Raptors the last time they faced them. And Colin, Colin Sexton has played really, really well over the last couple of games. Darius Garland is really starting to hit his peak too. Like I, that, that backcourt is looking, at one point we were looking at that backcourt like, hey, did they miss on back-to-back -back point guards? And it yeah. just looks like that, you know, you just can't, 
count young players out that early because that, that backcourt's looking awesome. And again, like that team, even though they're dealing with some injuries and, and like Larry Nance Jr. has this mysterious illness that's not COVID related that has kept him out for almost five games in a row now. And he plays a key role, but Kevin Love's starting to get healthy. Uh, it's it's a team that if you sleep on them and if you don't come out and give you give them your best effort, they will beat you. So I think the Raptors at this point, they know that every game is pretty much must win. Obviously there's 20 games left. They're only three games back from a playoff spot. So it's it's it sounds like a lot to say every game's a must win, but it really doesn't feel that way, especially like we were saying with the Bulls starting to hit their stride and that's the team that they were chasing. And then the Knicks, uh, I mean, the Knicks are almost like the version of the 90s Knicks that are just going to scrap it out. They're going to play defense. They're going to try and keep you under 100 points and make that game a rock fight. We saw them do it against Celtics this past week. They've been doing it against every opponent they've played this season, it seems like. So, you know, we're going to have to see the Raptors defense of old in that Knicks game, because if they're, if the Knicks are playing the level of defense that they've played all season and the Raptors come out and they play the level of defense that they've played this season compared to, you know, what we're used to in years past, that game could get out of hand quick. But obviously the number one thing is just getting some guys healthy, getting guys back in the lineup. It's obviously unfortunate that once Fred Van Vliet is healthy enough to return, he's going to have to serve that one game suspension. You know, that's, that's really, really unfortunate, but you know, obviously it wasn't ideal that Deandre Bembry had to miss last night's game as a, uh, response of that suspension, but he'll be back in the lineup over the weekend, which is huge. And like you said, potentially adding two more front court members, get some new blood in there and just really see what this team can do against two opponents that they're winnable matchups, but they're not going to be as easy as they have been in years past. Like you said. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy to think about that. Like just getting Bimbry back and, and adding Gillespie. And, and again, it's up in the air, whether or not Birch will be able to play on Saturday, but maybe could be in the lineup on Sunday, but just that fleshes out the roster so much more than it was against Chicago, having 11 guys rather than eight guys. So I think that does should be a reason to, to be slightly encouraged as this team goes. And obviously you still want to get Fred back. You want to get Kyle back. Hopefully, you know, you know, they get healthy. And then obviously Fred has to, to serve that suspension that, you know, we talked about our concerns surrounding that when he left the bench to be peacemaker, but the rules are the rules, um, how that goes. But yeah, that that's something interesting to look at moving forward, especially given the way the standings are, especially given the way things are. And then after that two game back to back, the team returns home for another Tampa stand homestand five games uh, at Amelie Arena next week uh, and there are some winnable ones as well sprinkled in without that so you know we say this all the time and I, I feel like this is like the final time where we're looking at it and saying like okay this is this next 10 game stretch is probably the last stretch where we can see if this team can make a push or not because after this 10 game stretch we'll have a really good idea obviously there'll only be 10 games left in the season but it, it, I do think that because of the nature of this year um, things are so volatile in the standings that teams really could fall with the snap of a finger. And the Pacers look like they haven't figured it out. They've dealt with injuries all year. And um, it's been unfortunate for a lot of teams. And and the, the picture hasn't gotten as clear as I thought it would be at this point in the year. And, and just for that reason alone, it's not me just being extremely optimistic for no reason. It's just being realistic based on the schedule, because if the Raptors win six of their next seven, then we're having a completely different discussion than we're having right now. And if they lose, you know, four of their next seven, they don't have as much margin of, of error. But if they lose four of their next seven, then we are probably focusing on the draft lottery and, and the guys who could come and help this team next season. But until that point, we're going to be right here every every single time with these next day wraps and over on the Raptors Pod Table podcast and over to NBA.com, keeping you updated with everything as far as what the play in means and what that entails and the Raptors chances of doing that so keep locked in with us continue to subscribe and and, and rate and get these right into your feed every time they drop we'll be back on sunday with a post game pod and a pre-game pod so 
coming off of the Cavs game and leading into the Knicks game, we'll be back with you on Sunday. I think that Knicks game is also going to be on national TV or NBA TV in America as well. So big crowd, big eyes on that one. It'll be cool to see RJ Barrett, Canada's own, kind of coming into his own. So a lot of Canadian content in the upcoming games as well. Thanks again for tuning into the Raptors Pod Table podcast. For Kyle Irving, I'm Gil McGregor. We will catch you on Sunday.